When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jeff Cameron show little material on a Monday as uh, we wanted to be able to get together and talk some Florida state football amongst other things and, uh, and, and, and join forces yet again, after a few days off, hope you're enjoying your holiday. Look at these red cheeks. Tom. I got burned down there, burned in Clearwater and Dunedin and St. Pete and Bradenton uh, torch this weekend. I did not protect myself. I, I did, but I got wind burn from the, the cold burn from this week. It was, uh, it was, Chilly up here. Uh, Saturday morning, I think the uh, the temperature when we were teeing off at 8.02 a.m. was 30, 36 with a wind chill of 31. No bueno. Yeah, it was, uh, it was. Hey, man, you're golfing, though. So once you're out once you're out and you're in the sun, you're okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a toughie, though. That golf cart ride with that wind whipping across your face at 36 oh, is a toughie. We kept, we kept the shield up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While I was away, Florida State sweeps James Madison and a three-game start to link Jarrett's career. That's really good news. I looked at the numbers, and I will be now from this point forward able to attend. I look forward to the midweek game against Jacksonville and then on the road this upcoming weekend against TCU, which should be a great early season series. They took care of business to TCU against two upper-crust SEC teams. You're going to have to wait, though. Tuesday's game is – that's the Dolphins game over there. No, you. I know. Yeah, no, no. I'm looking forward to that game just in general. I, I just am excited that baseball is back, being yeah. able to listen to it, be able to watch it whenever I can get a feed, uh, and and I'm I'm excited. And I think, you know, obviously they played a good brand of baseball over the weekend. That's a good start. Link Jared, I know, was grateful. I read his comments afterwards, get that first win and get the season started and what that means to him. I think it means a lot to the community, Florida State fans, eager to get back at Dick Houser Stadium. Did you have a chance? You went by the ballpark, right? Uh, I didn't make it to the ballpark this weekend, but I watched a copious amount of FSU baseball, enough to know that Cam Smith is, wow, uh, already is is very much going to wow people throughout his career at Florida State. I'm thrilled with the MLB draft rules that he has stuck with us for three years. Yes. Uh, to watch him at the plate and some of the things he did, he dropped to a knee after the point of contact on Friday, went off the top of the wall in center field. Yeah, And then more, I think more impressive yesterday at the plate, it was an off-speed pitch. He didn't catch all of it. It looked like, at least on the feed, that it was more towards the trademark. It's, I mean, almost to the to the circus tent <laughs> over yeah. the right field wall. So prodigious power in a younger body that's only going to get stronger. But I love the quickness that you saw at the hot corner to be able to field baseballs. He's going to have to work on the throw across the diamond a little bit. But in terms of the quickness to get to the baseball, Holy cow, he shot out of a cannon. He is so smooth for his size. I'm in love with that baseball prospect as a Met fan. Let's just put it that way. And as an old fan, just sit back and enjoy this guy. Batting second in the order already. Link Jared clearly likes what he saw in fall ball. That's going to be exciting. But the test this upcoming weekend against TCU is much more stern. And there was a lot of sloppiness uh, over the weekend at times where this is a flawed team. But uh, I think they're going to win or lose for the right reasons. Yeah, first series of the weekend of the year, so I, I don't pay too much credence, uh, both the good and the bad. I look for little signs, like you're talking about, of things to come. We'll watch them and get a much greater sample size and begin to know who's what and 
who's rounding into form. I saw the women's basketball team win yesterday. That's very, very good. I saw the men's team lost. We won't talk about that. That's what they do. I did see the softball game last night against Alabama, 2-1. to one. That was a little frustrating. Well-played game, fun game to watch. Unfortunately, Florida State comes up on the wrong end. I was right over there by where they were playing, Tom, over the weekend. And, uh, no, I didn't get a chance to swing in. Uh, I got to tell you something really quick, and we'll move on to Florida State football, or I want an opportunity for us to move on to Florida State football. I I watched a half of the XFL last night. Oh. And one of the things that I like about the USFL in years past, going back to the original USFL, not the one that's upcoming in April, and the XFL. By the way, the Bandits are in that USFL, and it's the same exact logo and all of those cool things. But the um, – the, the, the USFL, the American Football League, the XFL, whatever leagues have all cropped up at varying points while we've been on the air together or in our lifetime, they do provide oftentimes really good ideas, yeah. ideas to improve the game. And I don't know if you've watched how they approach kickoffs, but, you know, since the new rule, basically a kickoff doesn't exist, a kickoff return doesn't exist like you don't see the 100 yard kickoff return that changes the game like you used to it happens every once in a great while when somebody's daring enough five yards deep in the end zone or seven yards deep in the end zone to take it out for the most part you're looking at an automatic touchback well that was a thrilling aspect of the game for a very long time there were specialists we all remember these guys right and that's what they did they, they were uniquely gifted some people are in the hall of fame solely because that's what they did really well I have lamented that it's gone away, and I've understood why it went away. The injuries were prolific on special teams, and when you separate people by 30 yards and get them a head start and they are bigger, stronger, fat. Nigel Bradham running down on kickoff. That's yeah. a that's a toughie. That's going to end up with some problems. Carlos Williams was a wedge buster, and he busted many a wedge. Oh, some people had to feel like, oh, really? I mean, watching that film, I've got to block that guy. So they got rid of wedges to some degree. They got rid of what you can and can't do, and thus the kickoff became useless. This is a long-winded of say, way of saying, if you guys didn't watch last night, you know what they do? They line up the kicker. on. They want to encourage returns. They line up the kicker back where the kicker would normally be, and the, the receiving team is lined up at like the 10-yard line. And the kickoff team is lined up on the 15-yard line, five yards apart. They're five yards apart staring right at each other. They're not allowed to move until the receiver catches it, the returner catches it. So the guy kicks off from way back there. The ball sails over the two lines' heads. Guy catches in the end zone, and it's go time. And it's just blocking. And, you know, it's it's an actual return, and it's – you make a guy miss, you break a tackle, somebody misses a block, whatever it might. It, it's really – I watched two kickoffs. I was like, this is great. So we owe two-point conversions to the USFL. We owe certain rule changes to the XFL. And now, who knows, we may get it to where we incorporate some things. These things aren't useless. I'm not going to be a huge fan. I'm not going to get on here and talk about it on the regular unless I'm gambling on it. Who knows? Maybe I'll accidentally fall in love with it. But it's the wrong season. It's never the right season for me. And I've talked about that before. But I will look for some rules changes or rules ideas to be shifted. Sorry, just wanted to get that off my chest before I forgot. Yeah, the number one thing I love about the XFL, the original one, is the camera angle it provided on the wire behind the quarterback. Yeah. And yeah. that's something that, you know, you would call the video game angle. And in a way, it's the video game that influenced the XFL 
you know, instead of the other way around. But mm-hmm. now that's part of everything. And, you know, when you get a mega cast on ESPN, like you'll have for FSU and LSU and Labor Day weekend, you will have the wire cam in its own dedicated ESPN three space to where you could just watch that camera only. If the XFL didn't do it 20 odd years ago, 25 years ago, then you wouldn't have it today in college and pro. So you're right. There is a legacy for every one of these leagues. Sometimes the challenge system or the communication systems, things like that, they have an influence. And they also, that the NFL has said that they're going to use them as test cases. Now, I think it's the XFL they have the, the relationship with to, to have, you know, the rules committees, you know, kind of move back and forth and there's some fluidity in terms. It's kind of like what baseball does with AAA and AA and experimentation. Right. But at any rate, I didn't watch a play. So I'm glad to hear that, though. I might I might check it out. You, you'll have to watch what I'm talking about with the kickoff. You'll be like, okay, I see it. That's cool. Uh, the only other reason to watch it is, frankly, um, I did see uh, you got a few former players, both from Florida State as well as you know, University of Florida, Miami's teams we've seen play. And you, know, you kind of, oh, that's whatever happened to him. Oh, that, uh, what's his face from Northern Illinois who we hated, the quarterback? Oh, what's his face is right. Uh, Jordan Lynch? Yeah, he's the starting quarterback for one of the teams. Is that Jordan Lynch? I think it is Jordan Lynch, isn't it? I think that's correct. Well, he's starting for one of the teams. You'll see names and be like, that's where he went. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, so just stuff like that. You're kind of like, okay. Uh, That said, away we go. And before we get started, we should take a quick break, and then let's you and I dive in really and get into Florida State. We, We are rapidly approaching the start of spring practice, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Kind of gets up on you quick, doesn't it? Where all of a sudden you realize, oh, We're no longer going to have to be too speculative this upcoming week, by the way, everybody, just so you know, before we go to break, I'm going to have Alex Atkins on the program. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And Adam Fuller on the program as well. So we we got an opportunity this week to talk to some guys about expectations. We're going to kind of flush out some of those expectations right now, in fact. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day. And I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens, and uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way. If that's important to you, it is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. AthleticGreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. AthleticGreens.com slash JCS. And there it is. And there it is. I'll be recording a new Athletic Green spot soon, guys. 
I know you're tired of that lengthy one, but it's from the heart. Uh, really quickly, what are we most looking forward to with the two units that I just referenced, offensive line and the defense as a whole? I uh, What are they tasked with is the conversation that Tom and I were having off the air. Uh, what, what do you want to find out by the end of spring? What do you need to find out? By the end of the spring, it's very different for you and me to to speculate on what that is. And uh, I, I'm sure there's a very real checklist for these two guys about what they're looking for. Uh, offensive line, I want to start there with Alex Atkins' unit because obviously you brought in a very high-profile transfer that is um, well thought of by folks in the NFL. And so the thoughts being that that's an automatic starter and uh, a guy that you can get excited about right off the bat. But then I think the younger group that backed up the starters a year ago, Tom, were guys that were on the rise. Um, you know I talk a lot about Estes. There's a technique issue with him and a consistency issue with him, but there's not a physical issue with him. He is strong. He's athletic. He's arguably the strongest guy of that group. So does he – Enter into the picture. I would. This is the kind of question I would ask for Alex Adkins, and I will. I will ask him. Does he enter into the picture as a guy that can secure something uh, by Springs End or emerge as a possible starter by Springs End? That's one question I have. Well, yeah. If you look at the group in general, there's just there's going to be a lot of dudes that are unhappy at the end of fall camp because there's so many bodies, and you're not going to put more than six on the field at one time. That's something that Mike Norvell has shown. He'd like to go unbalanced at times and, and create matchup issues, alignment issues for defenses. We weren't healthy enough to do that last year, uh, post-LSU game, and so you didn't see it as much after. But there are – I said it last week, and I, I checked myself after. Sometimes, you know, we're driving home, and, and you're like, did that really – is that true? Mm -hmm. And I said there's 12 to 13 combatants now, legitimate combatants for offensive line positions, not the walk-ons or some of the guys that maybe aren't going to pan out. And I thought, is that a real number? Let me go double check that because I know there's at least 10. Oh, there are. There are. So, you know, your two deep is going to be filled. And then there's going to be some runoff guys that would have been starters probably two or three seasons ago for Florida State. So to do the exercise very quickly, I'll go through uh, the offensive line number by number. Uh, 52 Robert Scott is where we start. Of course, he's a contender. Maury Smith, yes. Kayshawn Sapp, development, but on the right path as a redshirt freshman. So, you could say maybe. Uh, Bless Harris, absolutely. Jeremiah Byers, that's the guy you referenced, yes. Uh, how about Thomas Schrader, if he's healthy, sure. Kanaya Charlton, loved the size, and he looks like he's going to be somebody in the next year or two. But this is a big camp for Kanaya. If you want to be on Agreed. the road of your career, you want an extra year, he could be in the mix. Casey Roddick, definitely. Dimitri Emanuel, we'll see what the deal is with eligibility there, but he's listed on FSU spring roster, so could be. Armella. Jalen Early, Keandre Jones from Auburn, yes. Darius Washington, yes. Estes, Daughtry Richardson, and Lucas Simmons. You are well over 10 able-bodied offensive linemen entering into spring camp. Some of those guys are going to be underdogs to be a starter or even on the two-deep, but that doesn't mean that a Jalen Early or a Daughtry Richardson or Kayshawn Sapp or even a true freshman Lucas Simmons can't make the rotation beyond the starting five. This is a lot to sort out for Alex Atkins over the next two camps. What a wonderful problem to have. Yeah. It's the first time our offensive line coach has had a conundrum or a real wait-and-see process about to play out. 
in terms of depth of competition, not just starters, but depth of competition. The, the guy behind the guy will be competed for big time as well. It's funny to me, just a great example of what you're talking about. The last guy you mentioned as an able-bodied contender was a five-star offensive lineman that everybody in the country wanted. That speaks volumes about where we're at. The fact that uh, Armella is not a guarantee uh, to start, and we know what kind of body composition and talent he possesses, the footwork, the length. Uh, not saying he won't start, but he's not a guaranteed starter. So it's just – it's so impressive. It will also be interesting to see – you know, they cross-train all these guys, a lot of them anyhow. And I think it's important when you are trying to find your best five, that you get guys that you can move around in the past. You didn't have real tackles. So guards were playing tackle yep. and, 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 you know, you had guards playing guard guards, playing tackle guards, playing center. You really didn't have, you had a bunch of guards is what you had. Um, and you know, you didn't have an option of he's a real center. And that guy projects as a real center. These two gentlemen are real offensive tackles. They project as offensive tackles in the NFL if they make it. You know, we didn't have a lot of luxury in that regard. You were just trying to find the most physical, most talented, the deepest, uh, the, the heaviest, the strongest, the best footwork. Even if they were guards, you were just going to move them around and get them to a spot because you needed those guys out there. You legitimately have competition battles at tackle, at center, at guard now by guards, by centers, by tackles. And that is a big deal. So Darius Washington, for example, has been one of the emergency tackles for many years now at Florida State. And uh, what's crazy is he's only a redshirt junior, but uh, six foot four, 300. That's just not the profile and the body type of a tackle. And, no, and if, you wanna, if you want to go where we all want to go here at Florida State, that's not going to do it unless the dude is preternaturally gifted and no disrespect to Darius. He's not, but he is an excellent Swiss army knife across the offensive line. The closer he is to the football, the better off he is. All right. Julian Armella in year two of the program. Here's his profile. Six foot six, 314 pounds. That's more. That is much more tackle. Here's the real deal though. In terms of size and profile, Lucas Simmons as a true freshman, six foot eight, 307 pounds as a true freshman freshman yes please six foot eight yep. with that reach and those feet yep. if he puts on 20 pounds in a hurry and he could mm -hmm. buddy he i don't think he'll start as a freshman but i suppose he could oh i mean he could be in the rotation at right and and again you look at this schedule and i know last year we were just the the novel concept of blowing out six or seven opponents in a season was was welcomed here with open yeah. arms it'd been yeah. a long time since there were that many blowouts and i don't mean to sound greedy but look at that schedule come on you need to have another four to six blowouts this upcoming year if you're going to go the places that we expect fsu to go so whether or not you know lucas simmons is is your true right because you could play him at right for a year mm -hmm. to get his feet wet but he should get at least four games of heavy experience in terms of being in the rotation, he will red shirt, but six and maybe maybe he's good enough that they know. Uh, I don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna be around here more than yeah. I, I actually was about to interject that, Tom. I, I think that he could end up surpassing the four games because they might know they're not gonna have him for four years. So yeah. you you might as well just go on and get after it. That's why it's it's critical to have a guy like that here for spring camp because if you think that he profiles as a minimum service time player before going to the pros, then you need him to be an early enrollee 
so that by the time we get to uh, LSU is probably asking a little too much. Yeah. But by the time we get into the meat of September, or if you want to wait till after the Clemson game, and then that October slate of sorry ass home games, you say, here you go, Lucas, low leverage home games, make it happen. Yeah. You, there are nice little landing spots on the schedule for some of these guys to make their debuts and then obviously climb up the depth chart and become a true number one starter in big games. But that Lucas would have to skip over that very talented offensive line class from the year before. And Julian Armella is not here to sit either. So there are problems, but there are good problems. You could even see in theory, by the end of the season, a guy like Robert Scott play closer to the football as well. Because if you talk to, you know, people who know a thing or two around the program, they seem to suggest that Scott's best chance at the next level is to play interior, not a tackle. He's only six foot five. Yeah, you put Scott inside, and then your tackles down the line are Armella and Simmons. Yep. Um, you know, you got a little something going there. Um, I, I think it will be intriguing to see this. You know, we, we do this to the guy all the time, but I give Marie Smith credit, but he's still not big enough at center. He he somehow found a way and has found a way and played injured last year, so I have nothing but respect for him. It's just not ideal on a championship-level team uh, that he be your starting center. But who knows? Maybe he continues to put on weight, and he has done a really good job for them. So I, I, they are a lot of questions. These are the good kinds of questions. I guess our perhaps most pressing talking point is, is, is another way of revealing how far the program has come, and that is you have legitimate competition with starters uh, that are guys that would play elsewhere, play with big-time um, – you know, expectations at programs that are top 15 programs, top 20 programs. We have not had that. We just haven't had it. You now are talking about the two deep in a way where you're like, well, that guy, if he doesn't win the starting job and he loses it to a redshirt freshman, he could transfer, you know, he's because he's a starter somewhere. He would play big time power five football. I like having those worries. Yeah. I like wondering aloud what that means for this guy to lose a job and perhaps could go start somewhere else, not only our league, but maybe in the SEC or maybe in you know the Big 12 or the Pac. I mean, it's, just, it's just something to think about. It's a really good problem to have, and it's unique because we haven't had it. We didn't even have it last year, and we have it now in a way that is um, in spades. Yeah, it's better. It's better this year than it was at its best last year. But when you had a healthy Caden Lyles, which was a very brief period of time, and bless Harris, you could do something like this. Something yeah, like a little bit. But this is more talent top to bottom, especially when you're talking about the development of that 2022 recruiting class now being in their redshirt freshman seasons. But the benefit of it also, and, and we'll see what happens between spring and fall, but the benefit, benefit of it for spring is you conduct a much better practice. That that's the deal here is you have enough offensive linemen to field potentially three because there's some guys I skipped in there that I just I, I don't think are going to be in contention. But that doesn't mean that when it comes to practice against a third team defensive line that they can't hold their own. Now you're talking about three sets of trench battles between the offensive line and the defensive line yeah. that gives your third string skill position players something to work with that film is not worthless to a quarterback or to a receiver or running back because they have normal amounts of time and those trench battles are good. So that's the thing. They experimented with it briefly last year, but health didn't allow for it to continue. They did something similar to what Jimbo Fisher did back in the day, which was you basically had two sets of drills running concurrently on two practice fields because you were deep enough in the trenches. Yeah. And now I think you're back to that place. We'll see if Norvell does that. 
where he runs basically offense versus defense simultaneous on two sides of the field. Could see it starting in a couple weeks. The logical place to graduate the conversation is what that also does in terms of competition for your quarterbacks, which means they are operating behind an offensive line that can actually protect them, can create the run game, can do some things where you get a better look at who they are. The competition's better uh, against, you know, you have a legit competition. You're not just running for your life at all times. So you can get, uh, you can watch the quarterback growth. That's an area that we we will continue to discuss as well. Uh, I really think when we talk about what has to be done, I want to move to the defensive side here in a second, but one of the things that has to be done for this group in the spring is you have to emerge with your second string quarterback showing real signs of life that he has complete command of the offense, that if Jordan Travis were to go down, knock on wood, uh, that you could put him in a game and win said game, even against upper crust competition. You know, last year we all held our breath because there was no proof that they had a backup quarterback that could go in and win a game. It is well documented that uh, Tate Rodemaker came in and helped win the Louisville game, made some big-time throws when they had to have it. I don't know by the end of the season, though, that I still completely trusted that he would go out there and consistently play well if he had to start for two or three games. He's got to emerge at the end of this spring. If it's him, he has to emerge by the end of this spring as somebody that you can count on, that if you got to start him, it's not that big a deal. Look, you're going to be losing a Heisman contender to Jordan Travis if you got to start Tate Rodemaker, and Tate will not be a Heisman contender. But can he be more than just a placeholder? Can he go make some plays? Can he go win you a football game? Can you trust him with the t- totality of the offense? Can can you Do you feel comfortable with him? Because he's going to have a real good offensive line. He's going to have a running game. He's got tight ends now. Lord knows we're deep at wide receiver finally. He ought to be able to go out there and feel very, very comfortable and execute like this, like now. We don't have to wait on you to, you know, I just feel like we have to see that. And if he doesn't do it, can A.J. Duffy do it? And so A.J. Duffy's got a lot to compete for this camp as well. Can I be the backup? Even though Tate has seniority, Tate's been in games in bigger moments, he has still shown that he could be competed with for that second string job. So AJ's got to take a big step forward as well. I was more impressed in AJ's in-game action, limited as it was, than I was with anything he ever did in practice. Outside of maybe his first day last year in spring, we were like, oh, that'll work. Yeah. I, I was not enthused about what I saw from Duffy in, in practice last fall. I mean, nine out of 10 days worth of practice that I saw. Didn't go to every day like uh, Ira did, so maybe he saw a couple of days. But when he got into the games, AJ seemed very calm, very poised, like the speed upgrade wasn't uh, Tate Rodemaker-esque. When Tate first came into football games, you saw that the speed of the game was overwhelming to him. I, I don't think that AJ presents that kind of body language in the limited live game action that we've seen. However, with Tate, that light bulb clicked on in a way against Louisville that I think if all the other pieces are there, he can be the guy to govern the ship, make enough big-time throws. And again, this offense is arriving to a place where the the line itself is going to protect better as long as they don't have myriad injuries. We, We like the depth there. And then with all of the balance across the board with the skill positions, you are going to have the easiest reads we've seen in some time here yeah. For a Florida State offense. Yeah. Pre-snap, I can tell if they're shading a safety over to Johnny Wilson. So we're going to let that go. Okay, now over here, let's go to Winston Wright or Micah Pittman in the slot. I don't know what I like out there. Outside, they've got a matchup. Here's how many guys they have in the box. We can hand it off to Trey Benson. I, as Tate Rodemaker, am more athletic than people give me credit for, so I could run the football. And then there's also Jaheim Bell, who's a matchup nightmare. Can I get him isolated on a linebacker? 
all of these things are in a better place than they've ever been. Last year, for example, Jordan Travis got hurt in the Florida game where the receivers are dropping passes. And the offensive line is a turnstile. Nobody wins that game but Jordan Travis. But now with all of these uh, with these upgrades Correct. in the trench, Tate could, Tate could handle it, I think. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll find out. I, I don't know that he could. He handled it one time in the Louisville game. And he didn't start very well when he got out there in that game. Now he came around and obviously we lauded him for that turnaround and we'll be forever grateful because that was a big deal to win that game. But I do think that uh, I need to see more consistency and more evidence that that is going to be the case when you put him in the game. Like, okay, I feel good about this. This will be all right. Not, mm, I hope so. That's what I want to emerge with the second string quarterback. Defensively is the biggest question mark of the season. It is the difference between being an elite team, a playoff contender, a team that once in the playoffs could maybe surprise folks, uh, a team that could win the ACC uh, championship, a team that will win 11 games. To me, this is all going to fall back on this defense. We have far fewer questions because of the aforementioned depth and talent and matchup issues the offense provides. We have much fewer questions for that side of the football in addition to having a Heisman Trophy candidate running the ship. Uh, also, great play calling, offensive line coach, et cetera. Uh, it's the defensive side of the ball. Alex Atkins, I mean, excuse me, uh, Adam Fuller's group is going to have to show, I think, that they can take a big leap forward. Now, they have the added depth up front to do so. A little thin at defensive end. You've got two really good starters from there. Maybe not as dynamic. In the interior, the number of bodies that you can rotate – a lot of talent there, and that talent's allowed to go full bore 100% more often because they can be replaced by a guy who's on their level or something close to it, so they don't have to play as many snaps. They can go all out when they're out there. We don't know about this secondary yet. We know the names. We know plenty of guys that can come in and will compete for the job. Lord knows you have a bevy of them. You're very thin at linebacker. You like your two starters. We'll see if Nicholson, how far along he can go in year one as a freshman. Uh, I love his body type. I love his athleticism. I'd like to think he can give you something. But you don't have the requisite depth there at linebacker. So to me, all the questions as we enter camp, as we get into spring here, is who's going to emerge as the two starters at corner? Mm -hmm. Are one of those starters, like Renardo Green, going to be moved to safety where he's played before? How far along is Azaria Thomas? Is he a guy that you can just set it and forget it going into the fall camp after this spring? As you know, he's emerged as the guy. Do we see Knowles return to form or not? Uh, do you see the same for Duke Cooper? who was not good last year and I think often played hurt. Do those guys return to form? Shaheen Brown at the safety position, I feel confident, will be very, very good. Uh, who else is going to be alongside? A lot of questions on defense. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, you know, a couple of things I'd be interested to hear from Adam Fuller when he joins the program later this week would be, number one, how banged up were they in the secondary last year? I mean, you know, there were certain days where Kevin Knowles, most days actually, uh, where he had the green no-contact jersey on. That's not typical for a defensive back. I feel like we're far enough away from fall camp that we can divulge that information. Right. But Duke Cooper was said to, by Mike Norvell, have a nagging issue that that – affected his play and affected his ability to prepare throughout the season. He was a participant regularly in practice, uh, but those results didn't match what we saw at the end of his freshman campaign. So how banged up were those two guys? How banged up was the defensive back unit? And then also, I just want to hear, generally speaking, from Coach Fuller, can they be better at defensive back in 2023? I know that's a very, very softballish question, but I'd be interested to hear how he answers that question. 
because there's a lot of elements to it. There's a lot of nuance to it. First of all, you've got a different position coach. And then secondly, were the issues related to the position coach or were the issues related to guys not being 100%, guys not being on the same page? Whatever it is, they didn't get the job done with the consistency that you would expect a place like Florida State to produce and, and develop defensive backs. Why is that? And with Federal Cypress coming in, that we would think that's a plug-and-play solution at one spot. Azaria Thomas and his development, you would think that's a plug-and-play. Renardo Green is going to find somewhere on the field to play. That all of a sudden, you have a base of about five guys on the field at one time. That shrinks down the available places, and then you are fostering competition there. I'd be interested to hear what Adam Fuller says about the nature of that competition and what they expect. And then what he sees in Patrick Sertan as one of his assistant coaches. Why was he okay with the hire? It should be very interesting to hear from him this week because it's a big year for Adam Fuller. We all agree on this. It's exciting, though, when you lay it out in that way. And I failed to mention Fintral Cypress, which I should have done. I'm glad you added that to the mix because, honestly, if guys play to what we project them to be or are capable of, have shown in games and or have the athleticism that we've seen in practice, whatever it might be, all of a sudden you're talking about a starting secondary where, in my opinion, you move Renardo Green to safety to go along with Shaheem Brown, and then the two corners are Fintrell Cypress and Azaria Thomas, and then you've got quality depth behind them, especially if Knowles or Cooper get back to what they were. If they're anywhere close to that, now you've got a nickel corner, you've got guys, you really are in good shape here. You've got a lot of options. And that's only if they're all playing to their projections or what we think they're capable of, whether we've seen it in the form of Fintrell Cypress, not here, but within the ACC, or whether we've projected it, like Zaria Thomas, or we believe in guys because there's been evidence prior to this past year that they could do it, Cooper, Knowles. There are a lot of guys that, again, you look at this and you say, okay, they've got options. And I know that people roll their eyes, and until we see it, they should roll their eyes. But because you brought in Patrick Sertan, and as somebody who was very vocal about wanting to let a certain coach go that is now at Arkansas and was wanting to see change in that secondary – I am celebrating because it's a new set of eyes in Patrick Sertan. Not only is he going to help Florida State as a, as, as a recruiter, and we know that, uh, but also because I think he's he's probably a better teacher as well. Uh, we'll see, but I think he likely projects that way. What do you get out of Travis J? Yep. What does he see? Does he look at that kid and go, what in the world? You know, I tell this story all the time, but when Jimbo Fisher was finally tasked with the responsibility of naming his starting quarterback, and he <laughs> told me in an interview, you got the wrong guy starting. He's over there third string. And he was talking at that time. Again, you know, it, it cracks me up. We were going through having these debates about who was going to be the starting quarterback at the time. And, it, you know, it was the third string guy. You don't know. Patrick Sertan could walk in there and be like, oh, no, th- you guys yeah. needed Travis J to do this. You know, this is this is what we're going to do with him. We're going to make this a, uh, you know, who, who knows? I, I guess what I'm getting at without belaboring the point is that maybe that new set of eyes, uh, a new way of teaching, a new way of speaking will help a, an athlete like Travis J. Well, uh, get Travis, Travis has been extremely receptive and has been, again, it, it's worth pointing out over and over again. Typically, the thought from the the casual observer 
outside, if you don't get to see practice and, and shoot, we didn't get to see practice for about 10 years around here. And, and it's great to be able to, is that if a kid is a bust, that means that somehow they're, they're not a, a good citizen of a football player. And that's largely not the case. And in Travis Jay's particular instance, he has been nothing but a model teammate that I've seen in the, in the camps that we've been to. And that is important because that means he's receptive to coaching, receptive to development, and he's not here to just ride it out and then, you know, just be a guy in Tallahassee who loves playing football at Florida State and having that moniker. There are dudes that are like that. Sometimes they hold clipboards and they throw the football like, this is the greatest job in the world. Right. I'm not going to see the field. Travis Day doesn't strike me as, as that type of guy. And then also, in terms of chemistry on the field, two sets of players – one on offense, one on defense, seem to have a really good level of, of camaraderie and chemistry. On the defensive backside of it, for this discussion, Travis Jay and Azarie get, get along very, very well together. They combine the length of those two guys. And they communicate so yeah. well back and forth. When the ball's in the air, things like that. I've seen it more than a handful of times where I'm like, man, they are simpatico. If you can find a way to get those two on the same side of the field because they're playing at a high enough level to both start for Florida State or be in the rotation for Florida State in 2023, you'll see a little bit of magic there. I'm telling you, but there's a long way to go for Travis Jay. A lot of people you got to leap over on the depth chart. Yeah, and to be clear, I'm not telling you Travis Jay is going to emerge in the same way that Christian Ponder did. That's who I was alluding to, obviously. But Ponder, Ponder played so well that he eventually became a preseason Heisman candidate, although that didn't go so well. But the, the point would be, I don't, I'm not telling you Travis Jay is suddenly going to be that. But I do think he could be uh, a surprise contributor uh, going at, coming out of spring camp. Who knows what we see? Maybe we see something where we're talking about what are the biggest surprises? Well, looks like Patrick Sertan has instilled some confidence in Travis Jay. Lord knows he's a good athlete. Maybe they get something out of him. Look, this has total precedent. And it's not – you don't even have to go that far back. And you don't even yeah, I know where you're going. Back. Yeah. Renardo Green. Last year, when we yeah. when we saw the tour of duty, was wearing the black jersey, which we get a chance to do that two Fridays from now, uh, or two Thursdays from now, whatever it is, we'll go see the final tour of duty workout. And the black jersey is the highest level, the most consistent player who stands out in all of the workouts. Yeah, and we all thought, well, that's cute. I mean, you know, good for Renardo Green. At least there's something. You know, he, he's invested. He's working hard. Well, he's not going to be in the rotation. Duke Cooper is the best corner on this team. And then what happens? By the time you get to game four or game five, it's not a bad it, – it, it's just a fact. It's not a trend. It's a fact. Renardo is your most consistent corner, and he came out of nowhere. If you said in February of last year that Renardo Green would be the most consistent corner in the defensive backfield, you, you would have laughed. You would have said, that's not real. That's not going to be a thing. So there is precedent. It just happened last freaking year that we, the guy we thought was best, you wanted off the field. The guy we didn't even consider was your best starter. So it could happen again. And go back a little bit and remember LaMarcus Brutus. Go back and just make oh, yeah. ourselves laugh about guys that you're like, I don't expect to get anything out of this guy. He is pivotal to their success. He gets everybody lined up. We can't deal with a game without Brutus. Like, I mean, so it's it's funny. It, it does. Sometimes the light bulb takes a while to go off at that position. There's so much space, Tom, that, that you are, there's a lot on you when you're in that much space. There's a lot more that can go wrong if you're wrong in yep. that space as opposed to along the offensive and defensive lines where it's a lot about, yeah, technique and low man wins and leverage and strength. If you're not strong enough, you can't win. 
Right. But when we're dealing with space and understanding of concepts and then having to run to space or fill or get into a hip pocket against elite athletes out on the edges, you're on an island, as they say, that can be an awful lot of pressure. If you fail a few times and your confidence gets shook, you become a shell of what you should be based on your physicality. So it just takes somebody to infuse some confidence or a few reps in which you have success. And all of a sudden, Oh, this isn't so hard. I, I can do this. So that's what we're talking about. Maybe, maybe something like that happens. Well, I believe that LaMarcus Brutus defensive backfield also had JV and Elliot who ended <laughs> up having a nice lengthy NFL career of about five, six years Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as an active roster member. And he was a walk-on. So yeah, the, Look, there are some guys that we know are going to be a part of the mix because they're scholarship athletes and they're and they're blue chip recruits. Yeah. Defensive back is kind of weird. So hopefully it's weird in the right way for Florida State. Well, again, just a reminder, everybody, we'll have a chance to talk to Adam Fuller this week. We hope to talk to Alex Atkins as well this week. We're getting that locked down, but uh, we should have those interviews for you on the JCS uh, this week and next, and we look forward to it. Don't forget, as always, to like and subscribe. You get more videos like this. You're alerted to when we do these videos. Also, the podcast is always up, Warchant TV on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to all of those things. Of course, read the site, Warchant.com. Listen to Wake Up Warchant every morning. Watch the JCS and listen to that every afternoon. My goodness gracious, some of the headlines on Tuesdays. Just so much content, gang. So much content. It's a good thing. Be well, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Peace.